How are you doing today? You good? Everybody had a good Easter afternoon? Yeah? Anyone take a nap on Easter? A few people? Nice. All right. Hey, uh, after church today, if you uh, are new-ish with us, uh, we're going to have pizza with the pastor, so uh, you'll just follow the sign down the hall, and uh, if this is your first week and you didn't sign up, that's okay. We'll take you. Um, I don't want to have to take home all the leftovers, although my kids probably do want me to do that, so uh, come and join us, and, uh, and every once in a while there's that sneaky person that pretends to be new, but I know you've been here for eight years, so <laughs> come on now. <laughs> New-ish, however you want to define that. <laughs> a few months, maybe. Um, so we're going to get into the Word. Uh, before we do that, uh, just give a shout-out to my son, Anthony, who's in the back here. He's, he's heading out for the summer uh, for some work. He's been running our live stream since we started this thing. So uh, thanks to you, Anthony. And uh, if you want to join our live stream team, you can do so. Um, so there you go. So those guys are doing a great job. So thanks, Anthony, for all you put into it. And uh, we'll miss you this summer. I'll mostly miss your sarcasm and your jokes. Uh, let's get into the word <laughs> this morning. Uh, we're going to be in Hebrews. We're, st- we're in the book of Hebrews. And uh, you, you just start training your Bible when you open it to just go straight there because we're going to be in this book for most of the year. Uh, I was thinking about uh, last night I was doing really important stuff, um, like watching the Mariners. And uh, I don't know if anyone watched the Mariners this year at all, or following track, because I know this is like a football, you know, kind of city, but you got to get going on with the Mariners. I know they haven't been relevant in 20 years, okay? But here, you got to understand, this is like one of the most exciting teams in baseball, all right? So it is, it is a, just a fun team. And, and last night, they were down, they were down, and they, they put up like, I don't know. Did you watch the game last night? Like, was it seven runs or something like that in the bottom of the eighth? It was, yeah, six in the eighth. It was so exciting. I was thinking about the, the, the Mariners through these years, and, and it, was, it was really fun, like in the early 2000s, and then it got pretty bad for a while. And I, it's funny because their marketing team has tried all these different things to keep their fans engaged. And some of their theme, like right now it's CS Rise, which is pretty clever, S-E-A, like Seattle, and this and they are rising in, in baseball. But I remember they had this theme a few years back when they were just absolutely horrible. And their theme was true to the blue. And I'm like, what kind of a theme is that? That basically means we stink, but please stay loyal. Like, that's it. I mean, that was like the whole, like, was it, that, that was it. I'm like, what is true to the blue? It doesn't mean anything except just please don't leave us. And uh, <laughs> I was thinking about that. And uh, that's why when I said, does anyone follow the Mariners, you all didn't stay true to the blue, apparently, <laughs> uh, because it was hard. Uh, but, but here's the thing. Uh, I want to talk to you about staying true, not to, not to the Mariners, but to Jesus. And, uh, and we, we are to stay true to Jesus. And in this passage in Hebrews chapter 3, we're going to look at today, he's talking to us about staying true, staying true to Jesus, staying true to our faith, staying true to what it is that that God has done for us. And so as we go into uh, Hebrews 3, if, if you haven't been with us for a while this year, if this is your first time or, or you need a refresh, just remember we're in Hebrews chapter 3. We're gonna, uh, this week we've been studying Hebrews and in chapter 1 and 2, uh, we've been learning how Jesus is above all things, above all people. And so we looked at Jesus being higher than the prophets, higher than the angels, 
higher than Moses. That's what we looked at the last couple of weeks in, in uh, chapter 3. And Moses represents that Old Testament law. Okay, so the, he, the early Jewish Christians, this was who this book was written to, to the Hebrews, to the Jewish Christians. And they were facing a lot of persecution, um, really bad persecution. And they were considering, many of them, let's just go back to the law of Moses because everyone will leave us alone. Because Jesus is getting us in trouble. You ever found that out in your life? Jesus gets me in trouble, right? Like, believe in Jesus and maybe, maybe someone doesn't want to accept me. Maybe they reject me. Maybe there's hard things. But he's trying to encourage this early church, these Jewish Christians. You've got to stick to Jesus. You can't, there, there is no other salvation found but in Jesus alone. And so this is the message of this whole book of Hebrews. And he really hits home on this. This is the first of, of several pleas that we see with the church to stay true to Jesus and to don't go, don't go back, don't give up, don't lose hope. And so Hebrews chapter 3, we'll start with verse 7, and we're going to go through, through 19, which is a lot of verses, and then we'll, we'll break this down. So we left off two weeks ago where he says uh, in verse 6, to hold fast our confidence and boasting in our hope. And then he says in verse 7, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test. And saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation. And they said, they will always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Now, we're going to pause for a moment. This is an excerpt. This is a, this in Hebrews 3, this is a sermon, right? So this is his sermon right now. For us, this is scripture. But here, this is a sermon. And he's pulling uh, Psalm 95. And Psalm 95 uh, is a recaps really what happened in the wilderness with the Israelites. And we'll dig into that in a little bit more detail in a moment. But here we have Psalm 95 inserted right here in Hebrews chapter 3. He goes on to say in verse 12, Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you, in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, again, Psalm 95, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. This is interesting because he's now said it twice, and when you go to chapter 4, if you look ahead, he says it three more times. Five times here in this little section of scripture. It might be important. He might be trying to make a point. For Verse 16, For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses and with whom he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. And we'll stop there. Next week, we'll look at this rest piece because he talks a lot about entering the rest and we'll get to that. You got to come back for the second part of this message. But we're going to just talk about... Uh, this, this idea that he's trying to get to that there's a hardening of hearts that can happen when hardship happens in our life, when adversity happens in our life. So, so let's dig into what he's referring to because I'm not Jewish. Most of you are not Jewish. Uh, you, you didn't grow up, maybe. Some of you hearing the, the testimony of Scripture, maybe some of you did. 
Maybe some of you grew up in Sunday school hearing the, the stories of the Old Testament, others didn't. But he's referring back to a time in which God set his people free from slavery. So if you, if you remember, he, they were in Egypt and they were slaves. And they, it, was, it was a very difficult time to be in, in slavery. That, that's not fun, right? And so God set them free. He opened up the Red Sea and he set his people through the Red Sea on dry land, which is pretty awesome. There's those moments where you wish you would have been there, right? To walk through that, that dry ground in the Red Sea. And then he closed it after his people went through and they were set free from slavery. They escaped the, the grip of slavery in Egypt. And now they're out in the desert and they're rejoicing and they're praising God and they're celebrating God has set us free. And they have they've essentially got a, about a 15-month journey to get to the promised land that God has for them. God says, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give you this land, and it's got everything you need. It is yours. It is your inheritance. And when you get there, there's going to be this rest for you. And it, it was going to take them. There was a lot of people, and it was about a 15-month journey. But as you may know, it took longer than 15 months. It took 40 years to get there. Now, how do you get... How do you take a 15-month road trip and turn it into a 40-year road trip? Here's, here's, what we, here's what we know. They messed up pretty bad. Not because, not because they made mistakes, but because their hearts were turned against the Lord. And so I, I want to, if you can, just turn to Numbers chapter 14. So go way back into your Old Testament. Um, it's right near the beginning. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, fourth book. Numbers chapter 14. In Numbers 14, what we're going to see, and we're not going to read through this whole thing, but this is, this is a, a long section of Scripture. So I don't have it up on the screen. Uh, you had to bring your Bible to church today. Well, that's right. You should do that. Uh, some of you are like, shoot, let me install the Bible app, and that's all right. Next time, bring the Bible. Bring your paper Bibles to church. So here's what happens in verse 14. They're, they're ready to get in the promised land, and and, God, and, and they send spies into the land, 12 of them. They send spies to say, let's check out this land to see how it is. Now, two of the spies came back and says, you guys, we got this. Ten of the spies came back and said, we're doomed, we're dead. Now, you have a choice to make. Now, have you ever heard of groupthink before? <laughs> ever seen groupthink in action? Every day in our culture? Okay, anyway, sorry, I digress. So there's, there's 10 spies that say, this isn't going to work. Now remember, God had already promised them the land. He said, this is yours. But they said, well, God must have been lying. This isn't going to work. Two of them said, you guys, come on. We can do this. God promised to it, it to us. Well, the people of Israel, their response was to cry and grumble and complain. God, why would you do this to us? Why would you believe us out here just to kill us? And it wasn't the first time. Here's what we need to know. This was the 10th time in which the people had gone to the Lord and said, why have you forsaken us? They did it with water. They did it with food. You remember, God miraculously provided bread that just showed up on the ground. He sent quails into their camp, like just free meat everywhere. I mean, it could have been elk, I guess. That's what they were maybe hoping for. I don't know. But it was something. They were, they were getting... They were getting, it was, it was better than what, you see, ever watch the show Survivor and they're roasting rats on the, on the fire, right? It was way better than that. It was quail. It was something. And all these times God came through for them over and over and over, so many different occasions. 
And, and this, was, this was now the 10th time in which they said to God, how could you abandon us? How could you leave us? How could you lead us out here just to die? What kind of God are you? And they cried and they grumbled and complained. And it says here in verse 11, this was God's response, Numbers 14, 11, And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs I have done among them? How long? I have done so much for my people. I have done everything for them. And God says, you know, I'm done, Moses. I'm done. Now, this is the moment when you think, my prayers don't work. God, God doesn't change his mind, right? God's just going to do whatever, and it's just, I'm just doomed, or whatever your thought process is. The Lord tells Moses, Moses, I'm done. I swear to you, Moses, I'm going to strike them all down right now. I'm done. I have given everything to my children. Some of you parents are like, hallelujah, preach it. I've given everything to my children. I've sacrificed. I've poured into them. And they are, they're ungrateful. Just cutting them off. And that's what God said to Moses. And Moses begs to God. He says, please, God, don't, don't do that, God. That's just not a good idea. Please, God. What, God, really, like, think about the nations of the world. What are they going to think? Like, you delivered your people just to kill them? Like, what are people going to think about you, God? I don't think God's self-conscious, but it was, he, he bought it, all right? And so, so he says, okay, fine. I won't, I won't kill them. I won't wipe them out. But he says, instead, here's, here's the deal. There must be consequences. And so he says in verse 23, Numbers 14, he says that they, um, they have not obeyed my voice. And uh, let's see, verse, where are we at? 22. None of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice, none of them shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers, and none of those who despised me shall see it. You're not going to enter the rest. You're not going to enter the promised land. You, your hearts are so hard toward me, God said, that... that, that I'm not going to bring you into this land for a place to worship me for just you to turn your back again and to say, God, why have you done this to us? And, and blame everything on me. So this 15-month journey. Now in verse 34, the Lord says this. He says, according to the number of days in which you spied out the land, which was 40. The spies went into the land for 40 days. God said, for every day that the spies were in the land and came back with a report that says, we can't do it, that's a year you're going to be in the wilderness. For every day, that's how long you're going to be in the wilderness. A year for each day. 40 days equals 40 years. There were two men that saw the promised land. Just two. Out of everybody there that day. There was two people, Joshua and Caleb. That's it. They were the two men who came back and said, guys, we can do this. We have to have faith in God. He's never failed us. He's never let us down. It doesn't matter that there's giants in the land. It doesn't matter that it's going to be difficult. God's promised it to us. And so we are going to move forward in confidence that God's going to go before us. Those two men went into the promised land. Everyone else didn't make it. No one made it. In fact, the other 10 spies died that day. That day. And the rest of them over 40 years, their children, God is a good God, and he, he 
gave the promised land to their children and their grandchildren and the generations to come. But it says this grumbling generation who have hardened their hearts toward me, it's not going to happen for them. This is the backdrop of Hebrews chapter 3. Now, now we just spent a little time explaining it. If you were a Jewish Christian, you knew the story well because your, your ancestors passed this story down from generation to generation to generation. And so he's referring, so we we'll go back to Hebrews 3, he's referring to that story. So Psalm 95 is a recap of Numbers 14 and what happened, okay? And now Hebrews 3 is a recap of Psalm 95, which is a recap of Numbers 14. Are you with me still? Okay, so here's where we end up. This scripture that we read in Hebrews, it's an exhortation to stay faithful to Jesus no matter what. And this adversity in the early church, causing these Christians to abandon their faith, here's what they needed to know. Adversity can either draw you closer to God or harden your heart toward God. One of those things is going to happen when hard times come in your life. That there is a choice that you can make that when difficulty arises, there is something within the human heart that will either blame God or run to God. And you see it all over in, in the world. You'll see it in your own heart and in your own life where people say, this happened to me and I blame God. And someone else walks through the exact same circumstance and they said, this happened to me and I ran to God. And there's a choice to be made. And the plea in today's passage is stay true. Stay true to Jesus. Keep trusting him. He's for you. He's with you. Stay true in the face of adversity. But if you're going to stay true, it's not just an idea of saying, okay, I'll stay true. Do you ever have a plan and then the hard thing comes and you're like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this anymore. He, he says, listen, if you're going to stay true to Jesus in adversity, and, and church, listen, we are living in a world, it wasn't as bad, it's, it's not as bad now, believe it or not, as it was then. It was, it's not as bad now, yet, as it was then. But there are hard times that are going to come, and if you are going to withstand those things, if you're going to stay true to Jesus, there is some attention that's going to be needed and given to some things in our life. And he gives us in 12, 13, and 14, he gives us just some, some life tips on how to stay true in the midst of adversity. So let's start with verse 12. The first thing he says is, if you are going to stay true to Jesus, you've got to take care. You've got to take care. He says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. As we walk through these troubles, these trials, these, the, these hardships, this adversity, there needs to be an awareness within us. What's happening in my heart as I walk through this? I don't know if you ask yourself that. You go through a hard time, and I don't know what your mind says. It's just like, just survive. That's all there is to it. But he says, if you're going to walk through this thing and you're going to come out on the other side attached to Jesus, you've got to pay attention in the middle of that thing what's happening in your heart. You've got to ask yourself, how is this affecting my attitude toward God? 
How is this affecting my relationship with God? Because get this, our flesh will has a default mode. Have you discovered this? That, that flesh has default? If you were to do a factory reset right now on, your, on yourself, which some of you are like, yeah, that's, that would be great because my back hurts really bad right now. <laughs> but maybe a factory reset, your flesh will automatically go back to the whiny, complaining, grumbling person. It's just default. That is our absolute default. And, and yet our spirit leads us as Christians, and we are going to turn our eyes and our focus and our attention and our trust in God. But our flesh will, by default, harden our hearts. We will respond to things with anger, frustration, disappointment, and get this, we don't even have to try. Isn't that true? Have you found this in your life? You can be angry, disappointed, frustrated with zero effort whatsoever. Zero effort. And yet, if you're going to stick true to God, you've got to give some care. You've got to put effort into this thing to not allow your flesh to run your life. You see, staying true requires a very conscious effort, a conscious awareness, a conscious choice to trust in God. That you make a deliberate decision when hard things come. I choose to trust in God in the middle of this. I choose to trust in God. Whatever that situation happens to be, this situation doesn't look good, but I choose to trust in God. I don't think the finances are going to come through, but I choose to trust in God. I don't know if this is going to turn around the way that I need it to turn around, but I choose to trust in God. Something in our spirit's got to rise up. In our spirit and rise up and say, listen up, flesh. Trust in God. Listen up. You know that you can actually, in your life, did you know that that you are spirit. And, and when you walk in Christ, your flesh has to submit to your spirit, but you have to tell it sometimes, right? So you say, listen up, flesh, we trust in the Lord. You get to these places where you find yourself like the Israelites, I don't know, God, why would you do this to us? I thought it was going to work out, and now I'm upset and I'm disappointed. Listen up, flesh, trust God. We trust God around here in this body. That's what we do. And in Psalm 91 too, just you can write that down or it's in your notes, Psalm 91 too. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. Memorize that. You can memorize that scripture. And when these things come, you declare that out. This I'll declare about the Lord. He is my refuge, my safety. He's my God and I trust him. Do you know that that's the essence of faith? Trust. If you were to say, I have faith in you, what are you saying to someone? I trust that you're going to come through. You hire someone to do a job. Maybe you're doing a remodel at your home, and you hire someone, and you say, you know, I have faith that you're going to get done. And what does that mean? I trust. I trust that that's going to happen. You have faith in someone. You have trust in someone. And that's the foundation of staying true to Jesus, is that you have to trust him. You have to keep trusting him and trusting him and trusting him because when we stop trusting God, we give unbelief a foothold. Unbelief gets a foothold in our life and we let doubt creep in. He says that if we don't take care, we will eventually end up with an evil, unbelieving heart. I don't want an evil, unbelieving heart. I don't think any of you want an evil, unbelieving heart. He says, you've got to take care. You've got to pay attention. You've got to be deliberate in trusting God. Get this about unbelief. We think unbelief is, you know, well, I'm just having a hard time wrapping my mind around it. 
right? Unbelief is not an inability to understand. It's an unwillingness to trust. That's what unbelief essentially is. Not like, oh, I just don't know if God can do it. We just sang the song, you are the same God. You are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. It's the will, not the intelligence that is involved when we trust God. Here's the thing. The Israelites, they had no issue understanding who God was. They had, there was no question that God could. They questioned if God will. They, they, didn't, they didn't have any problem knowing what God can do. They had seen it. They knew he was able to provide their every need. But when hardship came, even though they knew in here, and sometimes we know in our, in our minds, we know, God, I know who you are. I know that you can. We don't believe in here, in our hearts. God, I don't know that you care about me. I don't know if you will care for me. I know that you can, but I don't know that I can trust you. And so we're told to take care, to pay attention to what goes on in your heart. That's a starting place for us to pay attention. And then he goes on in verse 13, and he says, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. If you're going to stay true, you've got to get yourself in a position to be encouraged. Anyone ever need encouragement? Are you feeling down on yourself? It says here in, the, in my translation, which is the ESV, it says, exhort one another. This word in the, in the Greek is the word parakaleo, and it is very similar to the descriptive word of the Holy Spirit, which is parakletos, very, very similar. It means to comfort, to encourage, to implore, to urge, and to strengthen. Doesn't the Holy Spirit do that in your life? To encourage you, to comfort you, to implore you, to urge you, to strengthen you that when you're, you're sinning in your life, the Holy Spirit will, will remind you, will urge you, will implore you to turn your heart back to the Lord. Now, here's the thing. When we, when we are talking to ourselves and saying, listen up, we've got to trust God, encouragement comes from an outside source, not from within us. We aren't called to pep talk ourselves here in the second thing that he's talking about. He's saying you're going to need outside help. It reminds me of a sport. Anyone ever been on a sports team before? Anyone ever been on a sports team where you're losing? <laughs> right? Most people. And you know that time where you're on that team and you're losing and you have that one guy or that one girl who just has this undying faith that no matter how far behind you are, you can still win. And so what they do is they come around. I, I love some of the sideline shots on professional sports when a team's losing and you see the captains coming up to the players, getting in their face. Don't give up. We still got this. We're still within reach. We can make it. Don't you dare give up now. Keep fighting. And you see this, these teams and these, these, these teams that really overcome these adversities in the middle of games are the ones where there are people on the sidelines who are getting in the faces of the other players saying, you can't give up now we will keep fighting. When we're down, we will continue to go. Here's the thing. Encouragement's a team sport. It is a team sport, and you've got to get on a team. You've got to get into a place in which someone will walk up to you in your life when you are in the most difficult time of adversity and say, listen, it's rally time right now. It's time to make a comeback. It's time to not give up on God. We have got to encourage one another. Staying true is a team sport. It is a team sport. You, you, we think sometimes, I can just go figure this out on my own. And the reality is, unlikely. It's a team sport. 
You've got to put yourself in a position to be encouraged. And, and I've talked to people, say, yeah, I believe in God. I'm a Christian. Just church really isn't my thing. I kind of just do, the, the, I just serve God by myself. Well, the problem is, is that you never put yourself in a position to be encouraged or exhorted or brought up when things get difficult. When things get difficult, if it's all on you, it's still all on you. And when the hard things come, you turn out like the Israelites because you start to get frustrated with God and there's no one that would come up to you and say, listen, stop getting frustrated with God. You need to, you need to push through this time. It says in Hebrews 10, later on here in Hebrews in verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. And then he takes this like passive aggressive shot, as is the habit of some. And I wonder what, I wonder if like the original like pastor who read this message was like, reading this and then paused for a moment and said, is in the habit of some and like made eye contact with specific people in the church. I just wonder if that was like, maybe, anyway. Uh, but he says, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Here, here's what you need to know. I, I always love talking about this at church, about like staying true and, and don't give up don't neglect meeting together. Don't give up being part of the body of Christ. Don't get lazy. Like, be at church. It's the greatest thing to preach at a church because I'm preaching to everybody who showed up, right? Somewhere I've got to find a way to preach that to the people who aren't showing up. So, I don't know. Anyway, here, here's what we know, and you know this too. Sleeping in on a Sunday morning doesn't help you stay true in the midst of adversity. It really doesn't. Netflix, Hulu, they don't give you strength to make it. No, they help you check out right? It's like this temporary relief. When things get hard, what do we need? Each other. When things get hard, we need each other. We need to come into the house of the Lord, and we need to get some exhortation. We need to get some encouragement. We need to get some perspective from each other. I can't tell you how many times when I'm walking through difficulties in my life, and I'm, I'm talking, I come into church, or I come into a Bible study group, or a small group, or something like that, or maybe it's even a staff meeting for me where I, I just, I, I can't even. You ever have those days? You ever have I can't even days? And another believer comes up to you, and all of a sudden they just give you some perspective. They give you some encouragement, and they look at you right in the eyes, and they say, listen, you can't give up right now. I don't know, I prayed for this, and it's just God doesn't seem to hear. And you have someone say, listen, you need to continue to, to pray. You need to continue to trust God. In fact, let me join with you. Let me partner with you. Let me link arms with you. We need encouragement. Does anyone ever need encouragement? Does anyone have an off day, ever? <laughs> Hopefully you have on days, too. <laughs> but we need encouragement, and so we've got to put ourselves in a position to be encouraged. Now, Here's the trouble that we've got we've to recognize. Encouragement's a two-way street, right? And so, so at some point in our life, we, we are, we're so glad when someone encourages us when we're down. But at some point, we have to get beyond ourselves. And even though we need to be encouraged, we've got to encourage others. What would happen if every single person that ever attended a church said, I just need someone to tell me it's going to be okay? And then no one did. Because everybody in the room just needed someone to tell them it was going to be okay. Someone's got to turn it around and say, well, here, I'll encourage someone else. I promise you the best way out of your funk is to help someone else. The best way out of that difficult place that you're in is to serve someone, to encourage someone. Because there are going to be days, this is how the church works. Some days you come in here depleted, discouraged, broken, and you're going to need to lean on your brothers and sisters for strength and for hope. But other days... 
you're going to come in here full of joy. You're going to come in here with a testimony of God's goodness, and someone's going to need to lean on you for strength and for hope. And so what you got to do is you got to look. you got to look around and, and remember the look on your face when you were in that hard time and look for that look on the faces of others. To, when, we, when we ask each other, how are you really doing? How can I encourage you? How's that? You might know about a circumstance in their life and say, hey, how are you doing with this? And they say, fine. And you say, you can tell me. You could tell me. And they go, actually, really, I'm discouraged. And you can look at them in the face and say, listen, let me tell you what God's done in my life. I want to encourage you to continue to trust in God in the middle of this. We need that encouragement. Don't go it alone. All right? So finally, we've got, we've got two things here. We're taking care. We're caring for our heart. We're tending to our heart. We're putting ourselves in a place where we can receive encouragement, give encouragement. And then he says in verse 14, he says, hold firm. For we have come to share in Christ if we indeed hold to our original confidence firm to the end. We, we've done these things, but now you, you've got to fight through the adversity. Sometimes it's a battle. You see, staying true is a result so often of determination. It's a result of determination. We've engaged our heart. We've engaged the, the community of believers to help us, but there is a determination that has to be within us. I imagine the, the Israelites, you had those two spies that came back. What was different in their heart? They had a determination to fight for what God promised he was going to give them. The other ones lost all of their determination. They, they, they said, well, our, our, do, you, do you realize that when the spies were sent into the land, the instructions to the spies were not this, go into the land and see if it's possible that we can take it. The instructions were, go and scope out what God has promised he's going to give us. They went in with an expectation, here's what God's already given us. And they came back so undetermined, so discouraged, saying, well, I know God said he was going to give this to us, but I just don't know that I can. And they didn't stick to it. When everyone else around you is blaming God, seek God. When the world around you is compromising, and it is, stand by your convictions. Hold firm in your confidence. James 1, 2 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised those who love him. Church, you've got to hold firm. Have you ever encountered a toddler who has a toy that needs to be put away that they don't want to put away? Have you ever encountered that? Does anyone, ever, does anyone have any toddlers? Ever had a toddler? And, and then they have something they're not supposed to, to have, right? And so, so they, they go up to someone. Here, Meg, you can help me. And, 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 and Meg says, you need to give me that toy. And so she goes to take the toy away from me, and I don't want to give it up. Come on, you got to take the toy away. No, I'm not giving you my toy. Have you ever encountered a toddler like that? Come on, church. Let's be some toddlers here. Like when it comes to your faith and the world's pulling on you and the, the hardship's pulling on you, that you say, I'm not giving that up. You know, I, I, just now, Meg's Make, pretty strong, by the way. And I, I mean, I had to grip, I'm gripping on this thing. You are not taking this from me. And as Christians, we've got to have that kind of determination to hang on to this thing, to say, listen, 
Church, the enemy is going to come to you, and he's going to lie to you, and he's going to take, say, give me that, don't give me that, give me that faith. Listen, God doesn't really care that much in this moment. And you say, you are not taking this out of my hands. I am determined that I am going to stand steadfast under trial. I am going to be steadfast under hardship. The enemy is going to do everything he can to pull you off course. He will lie. He will cheat. He will steal. He will manipulate. And I'm not talking about the Patriots or the Astros. I'm talking about the devil. The one who wants to come and to steal your faith from you so that you give up on Jesus and you stop living abundant life. You, you, just, you say, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to live for myself. Church, you have to refuse to be baited into hardening your heart toward God. That when those things come to you, you have to refuse to believe the lies of the enemy. It, that's his strategy. Do you realize he's got one strategy? Deceive, lie, trick. It's what happened in the garden, and they bought it. You have to refuse to buy into the mindset that God's abandoned you. Refuse to believe the lies of the enemy. Refuse to believe that, that God isn't for you, that he isn't with you. You've got to hold firm to that confidence. That when those things come and you start to find yourself angry with God. Now, there's mourning and there's heart. You ever find yourself angry with God? Anyone besides me? <laughs> I know that sounds scary, but maybe you have someone real important to you and you lost and your first reaction is, how, God, how could you do this? And then that initial, but, but church, you got to get past that real quick. You got to get to this place of saying, okay, God, because he knows your heart. He knows where you're at, but you've got to stick to that confidence. And, and, and there's those, those doubts. When those doubts start to come, you've got to get to those quickly. And you've got to get to that place to say, you know what? I'm not going to harden my heart toward God. I'm not. In fact, I'm going to get myself around people who are going to encourage me. I think about Job. You ever read Job? It's like the most depressing book in the Bible, right? Because he went through some hard stuff. And you're reading through Job, and all of a sudden, he's got all this loss and all this hardship in his life. And he's got these friends that come around him, and they're like, just abandon God, just forget about it. Just, God, oh, how could you serve a God like that? And for a while, at least, Job says, no, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm holding firm. I'm not going to allow my heart to be hardened toward God. He eventually gets to that place where, and then God has to ask him, hey, Job, can I just ask you a question? Where were you when I created the world? I'm just wondering. <laughs> and he surrenders to God again. But we get to those places where we go through these things and we say, God, I'm not going to harden my heart toward you. I'm not going to get to this place where I become so callous and I just have decided I don't even, because then you get to a place where you can't even worship God and you come to church and you hear the music and you see, read the lyrics and you're like, yeah, but I don't believe that. I don't believe he's the same God. I don't believe that he's going to come through for me. You've got to hold tight to God. And this morning as we as we wrap up, I was just thinking, you know, you might, you might have some things in your life right now where you've allowed that hardness of heart to come toward God. Some of you have walked through some things that are, are hard, really hard, and that's an understatement. Some of you have walked through things that are, are so difficult. And I, I've watched people walk through adversity in their life, and I've watched it destroy them. And I've watched people walk through adversity, and I've watched it make them a brighter light and give them actually more joy as they draw nearer to God. It comes down to which direction are you going to choose? 
in the middle of that thing, are you going to say, God, I still trust you. God, you are still good. It's okay to say, God, you're still good. I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around it, but God, I'm not going to let go of that. You're still good. Instead of going to this place to say, God, how dare you? How could you? And harden your heart and walk down this path and surround yourself around people that are going to pull you away. You've got a choice to make. And some of you are in this place even, I believe, today where there's been some things in your life where you're saying, you know, I'm going to go to church, going to believe in God, but, but this area of my life, I'm not letting God there. I'm not going to let God there. That one's closed, God. That one, you're not coming in. I have a wound there. I have a hurt here. I don't know that I can trust you with that, God. I can trust you with a lot, but I can't trust you with that. Where those past hurts have caused you to close yourself off to God. And I want to challenge you this morning to go to the Lord and say, God, the places in my life where my heart has become hardened toward you, God, would you soften those places? God, will you show me? You know, the great thing to ask the Lord is, God, will you show me where you are in the midst of all of this? Will you show me where your hand has been upon my life, even when I haven't seen it? God, would you take these places in my life that, where, where I've just become so calloused and angry and bitter, maybe toward other people, maybe toward you, God, because my heart got so hardened that I, I, I wanted to be angry, and so I was angry. I wanted to be bitter, so I was bitter, and now, I just, now I'm just stuck. Now I've just got this place where, God, I just don't want to let you in. I just don't believe you can. And God wants to sh do, shift something within your mindset and within your heart and within your spirit where you can turn to him. And maybe some of you, it, it, that's a hard moment, and it might be a big moment this morning where you, where you, you maybe the, for the first time in a long time can say to the Lord, God, I'm going to choose to trust you with everything. I'm going to choose to trust you even when it's hard to see beyond this thing. God, I trust you. And so I want to pray for you this morning as the worship team plays. We stand as we, we get ready to close this morning. I want to pray for you, and we have a, our ministry team that would love to, to pray with you as well. If you're in a place this morning where you're saying, you know, I'm really struggling with some things, I'm struggling to see God in the midst of these things, or maybe you're saying, you know, something happened 10 years ago in my life, and, and I didn't run to God. In fact, I just got angry with God, and I'm not over it. In fact, I'm still angry. I'm still shutting God off from my life. I'm still refusing to trust God in this area or this area or this area of my life. Church, we've got to stay true. We've got to stay the course. We've got to continue to walk steadfastly with our God. Pay attention to what's going on in here. Get encouragement from us. Come pray with our ministry team this morning and get some encouragement today. And get some determination that God is with you and for you. Get some grit. The church today in this culture, in this year, in 2022, it needs grit in order to make it. Have you noticed? The church of today is going to need to be determined. The church of tomorrow in this world, in this culture, is going to have to be determined. Is going to need the writer of Hebrews to speak to us again to say, listen, don't give up. Don't let your hearts get hardened as they did back in the day, but stay true to God. So I want to pray for you today. Would you just close your eyes and even examine your heart right now and say, Lord, is there anything within me? Are there places in my life, Lord, where I've just, my heart's become hard toward you? There's places where I look back in my past and, and, I, and I think, God, I, I, where were you? I'm angry. 
I can't trust you with this. Lord, I pray that you would show us our own heart, that we would take care even in this very moment right now to choose to trust you and not have our hearts hardened. Lord, I pray right now for healing of hearts in this room. A healing of hearts in the places in which we've got something within us that's been hardened. A healing of hearts where we've said, well, I won't trust God here or there. Lord, I pray that you would bring a healing to us. That we would turn and look to you in all things and trust you in all things, God. God, I pray that you would give us a determination to stay true to who you are. To stay true to you, Jesus, and what you speak over our lives. Lord, I pray that you would bring people into our, into our lives who will encourage us. I pray that you would bring people into our lives who need encouragement, who we can speak life into. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that is marked by staying true to God despite what's happening around us in this world. That we will not compromise. That we will not give in. That we will not lower our standard of the Word of God. But that we will stay true to you in your ways. That we will not allow our world to redefine you in their own eyes. God, you define us. And so, Lord God, we stay true to our faith. And we trust you. In Jesus' name. Church, if you'd like prayer this morning, just come. I want to take it anyway.